Hello. Welcome to Inkpuff Audio. The soothing, soothing sounds of Inkpuff Audio. I'm sitting here recording an intro. Have you seen this shit? This is what people are using to relax now. Uh, ASM, I don't know what it's fucking called. I've seen this on the news. I've heard it on podcasts. People need to relax. So there are videos of people on the internet just talking like that, doing mundane shit, and this is what people use to fall asleep to. This is this is crazy. I, 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 we're so overstimulated with media coming at us all the time. Then we have to, in order to relax, we have to find relaxing media. Oh, man, I worry. I worry about the future of this place for my children. This is a hard place to grow up now, I think. Oh, okay, let's be honest, Sean. It's not that hard. There's much harder places. I, I just I just worry what we're doing to ourselves. That's all. That's all. Welcome to Inkpulp Audio. Um, today we're going to start a two-part interview with Dennis Calero. And uh, Dennis and I had a lot of talk about. Dennis had wanted to do this for a while. We'll get into that. But I just got back from New York Comic Con recently and uh, just came home to... Uh, a, a cloud of self-doubt like only I can do um, or so I thought and uh, uh, I, I had hung out with Becky Clooney a little bit in New York and uh, I guess she had we were emailing and she had had this this dream about a pit and if you follow her on Instagram you'll see what I'm talking about she has these dreams and she, and we were talking about just you know, the dreams we have and the fears we face. And she drew a little strip, a little comic strip about the dream she had, and it included me, and it was very sweet. Um, but I, I, that pit, I'm, I'm staring into it right now. It's, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I've been feeling really good about everything I've done lately, and uh, I'm just starting to feel shitty again about it. I don't know why. I don't know why. Because I think in honesty, when I look at, you know, what I drew when I feel shitty about what I'm drawing and what I drew when I feel good about what I'm drawing, you probably can't see a difference. But it just and and, and I'm able to tell myself I'm crazy and not let it consume me like it used to, but it's just this is this is a hard one to pull out of. And it might just be a deadline that's making me think this way. I don't know what it is. I'm going to tell you, finding balance in everything is tricky. And I've been working on it <clears throat> for a while. And I'm getting better at it. But uh, I'm, I've basically decided to not go to yoga for two weeks. So I can get the work done I need to do. And I just keep searching for this sweet spot where I just have a normal you know, nine to five day and then a normal night at home. And, and it's just this regularity, this schedule that I crave. And it just, it, it, I can't find it. And, and it's probably because it doesn't exist and that I have to learn 
to let go and, and embrace the, this because this is what it is, as as my wife keeps telling me. Maybe this is just what it is, and it, it is because everyone I talk to, every artist listening to this is probably like, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. And I know, like I, when I spoke to David Marquez, how schedule driven he is, and I am. How do you do it, David? Because it, it's fucking. It, it, <laughs> I don't know. It drives me crazy. Um. So yeah, it's 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 the the cloud that's hovering over me isn't as bad as as stuff I've said before, but it's there. And and I've thought to myself, you need to project positivity. You need to project confidence, because that's what people will respond to but but I, I i'm more interested in being honest this is who i am and this is what i feel so that's that uh i don't have much today uh, i'm just my mind is consumed with getting this stuff done arkham manor uh has just come out i guess in the past week and i, I did want to take a minute to reflect on the the calm before what I think will be the storm. I think it'll be well received. We'll see when this comes out. Um, there seems to be a lot of anticipation around it. I, I regardless of the the me and my shit, I, I do feel good about this stuff. I, I feel that the highs are much higher than anything I've done, and the lows aren't nearly as low. So I do feel very good about it, and it, it's. I don't know. I just hope it does well. I, I hope it, it's well received. I hope you all enjoyed it. And, and I hope it um, makes my future look good. Because uh, standing from where I'm standing, it does look good. So maybe it'll fuck it all up. There you go. That's that voice. Hey, hey, asshole. <laughs> that, that Batman book sucked. You're dried up. Your career's over. That's what I'm talking about. That's the voice. All right, here's Dennis Clare. Just for a couple of days? Mm-hmm. I'll be back in December with my daughter to uh, for Christmas and her mother, and we'll probably take her to Disney World or something. She'll be old enough. That's that nice. We did that with the kids. I think she'll be four. Yeah. So that's we'll, good. we'll do the small stuff. Yeah, that, that's good. I think the first episode you listened to when we were at that show, I was talking about my son in Disney World. Yeah, I think so. Drawing. Yeah. That's what got you into this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so have you been listening? Yeah, yeah. I like the one with Wando. I like the one with Sanford. I'm trying to think of uh, any other highlights because I also I listen to a lot of comic podcasts. So yeah, I like which stuff. ones do you listen to? Um, I think there's one called like Double Page Spread. Oh, oh comic book. Okay. Yeah, like no, I, no, I do other. No, I listen to other podcasts too, but particularly listen to a, a few comic ones. All right, but so I listen Double to, Page Spread. Yeah. What's that one? Uh, she's gonna kill me. I can't remember. I think her name is Oh, Melanie. I should check. Because if I. I'm actually going to run. I, I won't do this often. No, but it's fine. If I forget her name, I have forgotten her name, but I wanted to find out. That's what she would appreciate. Let's see. It's a 
ashamed to they actually did this show. I'm, I'm shamefully ignorant of most comic book podcasts. I'm shamefully ignorant of most comic books. I don't really read that many lately because so many of them are so bad. So that's that's part of it. That's being a little unfair. So a lot of it is... Uh, well, there's, you know there's how, truth to that. I think there's truth to that. Um, but I think that's like Sturgeon's, Sturgeon's Law. 90% of anything is crap. But there's also simply... Um, you, know, you know how this stuff is made, so... Right, you you right, see right. all the little mistakes and sure. you see all the things. And, but then sometimes you see it in a way that's really, sometimes you see the art form in a way that other people can't. Right. And you see the, the and beauty of it. And that's really well done. I think yeah. you can appreciate that. So do you find, define yourself as a comic book artist? No, I define myself as an artist that draws comics. Okay. So well, explain, to me that's different. Explain what that, the difference. Um, I, I was trained as a painter. I was trained as an, as an, as an artist. Mm-hmm. And where were you trained? Uh, initially, New World School of the Arts, right here in Miami. Okay. And then I went to Pratt Institute. Okay. And I studied architecture what for a number of years. From there, I think '94, which would make it 20 years, which is crazy. But my cousin was there. What's your cousin's name? David Stein. Oh, I hated that guy. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know that guy. He might have been there a little before him. All right, so continue. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, double page spread. Um, I listen to uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of books on on audio. I was yeah. gonna say on tape and date myself again. Do you, uh, you like prefer fiction or nonfiction? I pref- I think I prefer fiction. Although lately I've been forcing myself. Um, not that it's any requires any great force, but I've been forcing myself to listen to nonfiction to sort of continue becoming more aware of the world. Yeah, that's what I like. That's what the podcasts I listen to are just that, more in touch with human beings. And then I realize in doing, in doing that and listening to the news and NPR and whatever, how, how much people's opinions are already coloring their perception of history. I, I, listened to, I used to listen to a, a Roman history podcast, and one of the things that really struck me about Roman history, ancient Rome is that history was a bunch of books written by whoever was in charge right, last right. that would all get destroyed when the next guy from the opposing faction right. got in charge. And uh, and then the history would be rewritten, which is why we have a lot of misperceptions about Roman history, like uh, like Caligula having sex with horses or making horses senators. Or right. All this <laughs> stuff that just didn't, did, apparently just didn't happen because we find, we find um, older, more uh, sort of fairer, Mm-hmm. Records of before he became emperor, and there was none of this nonsense. This was just this was literally bad, you know, propaganda right. made up by the guy from the opposing After family who was in charge afterwards. So, um, I, and and wa- Roman history is fascinating to so many different people because it's so reflective of our. It was the first modern sure. society in the way that we recognize, and it's got a lot of the same problems that we right. have, um, and it lasted a long time, but not forever. Yeah. Well, that's what I wonder about where we're heading. I think human beings will be here whether or not our no, just systems mean, will be around. Yeah, our system here in the United States. Yeah, but I don't think systems are particularly precious. You know, no, no, if, democracy, if democracy works well, then it'll continue to be. I'm, I'm a Darwinist, so if, um, yeah, yeah. You know, if it works well, it'll continue. And if it doesn't work well, something after a period of discontent, something else will evolve to replace it. Sure, well, that makes sense. We'll see. Let me circle back. Please. To, we were uh, talking about you, you perceive yourself. Or yes. 
Uh, you said you were an artist who draws comics. Right. So explain to me what that means. It's not anything really lofty. I do other things. I, I, I draw, I paint. Um, I'm just, uh, the reason I ask mm-hmm. is because I, I, I look at what you do and you seem to be in so many different pools mm-hmm. that I, I guess I would, I'm trying to understand like what, what you're, you're doing and what your goals are and all that stuff. My goals are well. Let me circle back to yeah, that yeah, question yeah. first, because uh, I think what I mean by that is I, I see a lot of comic artists, people who sort of self-described, and a lot of this is just nomenclature, but who uh, sort of train themselves almost like this is a vocation, like like learning air conditioning, oh, right, maintenance, right, right. very focused, very specific. They don't bring in other influences outside of comic okay. books. They don't know who Caravaggio is. And uh, however that may sound in terms of uh, pompousness to anyone that's outside of the arts, if you're drawing and you don't know who Caravaggio is, there's a, there's a problem. There's a sure. problem because he's one of the pillars of, of this thing that we do. Yeah, well, there's a, there is an ignorance to history of art yeah. with, with a lot of artists. But I, I think that just comes from this was such a fringe, strange medium and yeah. there was no training for it for so long. People kind of fall into it, and when I get approached by young people who want to do it, it's it's from their perception, it's all about the um, sort of superficial aspects of it. Like, what are the tools that you use? And if I get Photoshop, and if I get a Wacom right, tablet, and right. if I get this technical pen. And recently, it, it went from oh, if I get these things, then I can do what you do, which is which is it doesn't bother my ego because my ego, you know, my ego's. Pretty, pretty big and pretty strong. Uh, pretty, I, I, I like to say pretty healthy. Okay. Um, we'll get back to that. Okay. The ego and health and uh, okay. that, that stuff fascinates me. But um, lately, it seems to have gone somewhere even more negative, which is I can't, you know, I'm, I'm 16 years old or I'm 14 years old and my parents can't afford to get me a, a, a Wacom, a Wacom tablet. Right. So I'm not going to be able to learn to do this. And you go, you're like, wow, man, geez, really? You think... That this this is some sort of like um, you just you just buy a machine and it does it for you and you kind of plug in certain things, which is a terrible American model of thinking about art in the yeah. first place. Uh, well, as as an art instructor at, at the college I was teaching, at, I, I, you see them come in and expect that they won't have to do work, that it, it won't be. It There's won't a lot be of that. Hard. There's it a lot be. of that. There's a lot of that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I get up my old man pants on now, but. I'm not sure if a lot of it is more kids not wanting to do something that's hard. I hate hearing a kid say, but that's hard. And, you, you right. know, a parent should be there to say, "That's this is literally the that's nature. Done. This is the nature of the universe. Right. You, I, things are hard. Yeah. And I, one thing I am glad for right now is my kids are like my career is just kind of starting to take off in in just started really taking off five years ago and now mm-hmm. just starting to take off even further. Mm-hmm. So they've, they've had to watch the, the work, struggle. the struggle and all that. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but there is culturally something going on, just like you're saying. It's like American Idol. It's this idea mm-hmm. that I won't have to work. I can get on a show and get a record deal without having to do anything. Mm-hmm. And then when they lose, they're just... Distraught. They don't know what to and do. It's like, no, that was a freebie. Now go do what everyone else does. It's lottery mentality. If I don't win the lottery, what what will I do? That's what I was counting on. It's the American dream has become 
what you know how do I succeed without working yeah, you know, yeah exactly that's what I because that's because what I see because all I want to do is own own all this all these material possessions and drink this type of champagne mm-hmm. and live freely doing whatever I feel like doing every day and that's and that's our fault I mean that's the, that's the that's the example that media shows sure right as an ideal and parents aren't step parents there's no other <clears throat> there's no other alternative explanation other than parents are either not there, they're not present, or parents aren't stepping up with that example uh, and saying that's that example is incorrect. One Listen thing to me. I've, I've been trying to to unravel in my brain a little bit is this a cultural reaction to what happened on 9/11. Like I remember, that's yes, interesting. This, this was this was prevalent in culturally before that. But it seems to me... Have kicked into high gears. It has really kicked into high gears. What would be, in your opinion, what would be the connection? I've never heard that idea. What would be the connection between those two I'm trying to figure it out. But what I'm coming up with is this idea that that was so scary and it it made us... Life is so precious. I don't want to spend my day at a desk when that could happen. I need to, to live as if I'm on vacation every day and escape from the hardness. I don't know. It's a good. It sounds good. It's a good idea. I'm it's trying, trying to see the connections. I started thinking about. I'll that. think about it. It's 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 an interesting idea. I know that. I mean, there were. I I could see because an art art always reflects a culture. Sure. Which is always funny when someone points at art and says bad art for showing us what we are. Right. It's always right. interesting to me. But uh, I I I think that before before nine eleven, you can have a movie like you can you can you do Terminator two, which is. That we we think that something bad is going to happen, but don't worry, we'll avoid it. We'll stop it before it happens. And then after 9-11, you have T3, which I still think is a pretty good movie, uh, which is, I don't know if you ever saw it, but no, the, I'm going to spoiler alert, which I hate. Spoiler alert. Uh, the end of T3, the, uh, you know, the whole movie is let's get to this place with this girl and the robot and we'll stop this from happening. And at the end, it's like, no, we... Uh, I father tricked you to save the girl. You're in a bunker. This is happening. This is going to happen. You, you, it can't be stopped. The only thing we can do, is, all this is about, is what happens after. after. And, well, that, and, and that wouldn't have been an acceptable storyline right, pre-9-11. That's, that's so many storylines is after the destruction. It's, it's walking dead, the zombie Exactly. Phase. Exactly. That's what zombies are all about. We're, right. we're, we, as a it's culture, about, right, we, always tell ourselves, we always tell ourselves the story. That we need to, to me, it seems like the, the zeitgeist, the zeitgeisty stories, the ones that people hook onto and just tell each other over and over again, is a version of you just mumbling to yourself, "I'm going to be all right. I'm going right, to be all right. right. Doesn't matter if I lost the house. I'm going to be all right. Or what am I going to What am I going to do?" Um, Stephen King pointed out in his book about the horror genre that um, sort of counterintuitively. During times of great uh, sort of wealth and economic boom, horror, horror stories and stories of sort of grim, grim sort of stories are not popular. Right. And it's during it's during eco- downtime. economic downtimes and recessions and, and periods of, of depression that people take like the blues. That's when you want to hear it to kind of experience those, force yourself to experience those emotions in a controlled environment and find resolve in it and and find uh, a resolution in it. Um, there's a famous story, uh, it may be apocryphal, that he tells in his book. Um, he was watching the Amityville Horror, 
which is not a great movie by any stretch, right. um, but was incredibly popular. And this was during a, a period of real, you know, economic uh, problems and, and people losing their homes. And and he realized that it was a film about, you know, this haunted house. Now it's a film about buying a house and losing it, right. you know, like losing your shirt right. on your this giant expenditure, which is supposed to be your biggest investment. And by extension, a sort of problem with the American dream sort of failing, which, which again, Art Fitzgerald saw it happening, sure. beginning to happen in the 20s and saw it unravel all the way through the 21st century. And I think it's falling to us to go, the engine sputtered or right. stalled, however you want to, whatever metaphor you want to pick. What do we do? Do we start over? Do we go somewhere else? Do we pay, or do we pick ourselves up and get the engine going again? Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I've been thinking about. Yeah. All right, so um, have you had coffee? I had a little bit of Diet Coke. Oh, I'm I'm dragging. You're, you're on do fire. Soda? Do you want a soda? No, no, no. I soda. I don't do plug, soda. Let me go plug this in real quick. All right. I shouldn't be salty. Yeah, let's let's talk about uh, health and ego. Yeah, it's, all, it's so important. All right, so talk to me about health and ego. You were just saying you don't do soda. Yeah, but, uh, I, and well, I shouldn't do soda I, I either. But I love that. the fizz. I, I don't I, do sugary sodas. I do diet sodas. See, I think that's worse. <laughs> I I do like the taste of soda, and of, I, well, of course, like I'll have right. like one Coke a month because I sure, do enjoy for a treat. it. Yeah, but. I'd rather have like Mexican Coke, which has real, real sugar, because that high fructose yeah, corn yeah. sugar. Like or Ecuadorian Coke, it does too. Yeah, yeah. I found that Anything in my local supermarket. I'm like Ecuadorian, Ecuadorian Coke? Coke. How do they package same, that? Same exact thing. Same exact thing. <laughs> same exact thing. It's ironic. Yeah, or like Pepsi has throwback. Now. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, we've made this much worse for you. Let's let's make a trendy little soda that's not as bad. Sugar, sugar, it, it, this is going to sound, we'll, we'll get to the actual like mental health issues, but, because okay. uh, that's uh, interesting to me, but um, sugar, it, 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 this sounds very um, sort of pop pop health, pop culture healthy, but sugar's poison. Yeah, yeah no, it, just it, is, it absolutely is. is. I heard someone say, I, I don't remember where, that sugar is for our generation what tobacco was for the previous generation. Interesting, probably true. And I thought that was true. pretty profound. Yeah. And we do have to change our relationship with sugar. Yeah. Because it's, it's also in the same interview, it was probably a podcast, or, or it was on MSNBC, they, they were saying sugar's in everything. Yep. I mean, it, it was not in everything growing nope. up. And it, any, almost anything you buy, unless you're really aware and mm. shop very consciously, there's sugar's creeping its way in there. It's hard. And they make label systems, and they their definitions change all the time, and it's it's difficult to buy. You know, look, we're buying we're buying food other people are making for us and boxing for us, and there's a lot of trust yeah. there. Um, but uh, it's not like if you have a little bit, you're gonna die. It's just you gotta right. be conscientious. Right, people exactly. Go- Everything people, in moderation. People gorge so right, much, right. and again, they're raised to think that that's okay. And I think so does. I was raised to think that that was okay, and I was struggled with my weight all all of my life. It's you did, yeah. I was in my, probably in my, it was the worst in my mid-20s where I probably ballooned up to like 200 pounds, but not probably not too much more than that, but uh, it was terrible, and I just said, I gotta I can't, get control of myself. That, I mean, you're tall, it sounds like you were heavier, but... I, was, I wasn't, I probably wasn't what people would call obese, but I was heavy, and I was uncomfortable, yeah. and I was sad about how I looked. Yeah. And uh, um, so what did you it was do difficult. To change that. Um, I just sort of learned how to eat. Yeah. You know, yeah. I learned how to 
you know, eat mostly proteins with a little bit of fat and a little bit of sugar and carbohydrate. Right. I learned to try to avoid food that someone packaged and made. Yeah, exactly. And I learned to exercise. It's 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 really the people that are doing that are changing themselves. Yeah. It's it's so it takes work to do that and it's so easy <clears throat> not to do that. Yeah. Uh, it's mean, a mental transformation, especially we, when you do what we do. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know. But my, I mean my wife and I we shop mainly at Costco. And they have a really good amount of like organic cool. and all natural ingredient foods. And recently we were like, let's just go to the Publix or the Kroger. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't buy anything. We just yeah. were walking through there like, this is why this country is so obese. Yeah. Like we just, aisle after aisle, we had such trouble finding yeah. what what we could eat. And if you point that out, I mean, not pointing a finger at a specific person, but if you just point that out in a general way, you get a lot of pushback. You get yeah. a lot of, hey, you know, man, like, don't tell me how to live yeah, my yeah, life. Sure. And I'm like, I'm not telling you how to live your life. Your body is telling you right, how to right. live your life. If someone is overweight or obese and they're truly happy with it and they don't care, yeah, then, then that's their business. Um, but I don't think most people are. And I think people are suffering... Um, you know, from a lot of health problems, and they're also suffering. Yeah. It's just, and it's also just a, uh, for me, it was a quality of life issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just life is not as good as it could be when you're 200 yeah, pounds. Oh, yeah. Well, I isn't. mean, just being my age, staying in shape and eating well, I, I know what the daily aches and pains are like for yeah. me. And I can't imagine adding 50, 60 pounds on top it, of it. It, I was, it felt like do. carrying stuff all the time that just didn't need to carry. Um, so, and it was a mental change too because a lot of it was just learning not to eat when you're not hungry like it's okay to go out to dinner with a friend and if you're not hungry have a salad sure. or just have some soup just relax and also share a portion yeah yeah that's another thing nothing that wrong yeah, my wife and i do because all, I, yeah the, a lady the, friend and i do that all the time food they put in front of you is yeah insane the food's the cheapest part of the yeah the meal yeah for, for them you know and uh well since being down here i have had full Cuban portions. But yeah, yeah well, <laughs> so good. That's you know. Um, were you? Did you? W- w- was it the lifestyle of, of this job that put on the weight? I think it was that. I mean, I was like drinking two liter cokes every day, just yeah. getting through a lot That'll of business. I had a business at twenty four years old in Manhattan. I had fourteen freelancers working for me. What sort of business? Uh, I was coloring comics. I was one of the first. I was, as far as I know. I was the second person to computer color something for Marvel ever. I think I was beat up by the first guy in Japan. Before Digital Chameleon, I was doing stuff for uh, the editorial department at Marvel. Were you coloring under your name? Yeah. Yeah, and then Atomic Paintbrush. Then, at at then Atomic Paintbrush, but it's a long time ago. I've been in and out of comics sort of with the ebb and flow, and I only really sort of hooked on in a permanent, but about probably around the same time you did, about five, six years ago. Yeah. When I was talking to a friend of mine, I don't know if you know Sean Chen. Do you know Sean? Yeah, um, actually, Sean Chen. Um, yeah, I went to his house. A friend of mine was friendly with him. Mm-hmm. And when I was an art school student, we went to New York. Mm-hmm. And we went to his apartment. Oh, no, he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wonderful family. And uh, he, he said something like, hey, I don't know if you're still interested in doing comics, but just to let you know, there's, uh, you know, there's not really sort of an upswing, but the sort of the downswing has... Stopped. And what he had heard um, was that people were starting to look for sort of more experienced, older people who 
wouldn't get a $1,600 paycheck and disappear for three months because right. it was all the money in the world. Right, people right. with mortgages, people with responsibilities right. that stick around and, and like get stuff, done. People, yeah, yeah. get stuff done. Um, this, I've definitely seen this, even in my short time in this business, I've seen, well, short, 20 years or so, sort of in and out. But in that time, I've seen it go from, you know, hey, you're 19 and you can sort of swing a pencil, draw this book and right. let's get it out there, you know, to to like, oh, you're, th you're 30. Yeah. You know, give it a couple of years, keep trying. You'll, you'll get in, you know, like this, it's become right. something that's so much more is required of us sure. as artists that I can't see someone without 10 years of experience as a professional illustrator without that. I can't see how you would yeah, do this. It's really tough. But we're jumping all over the place here. The, yeah. the the lifestyle was definitely part of it. I mean, it's, you're set, you're sedentary. This is an incredibly sedentary, yeah. um, business and it behooves anyone that that does it to you know respect the fact that the same way that you wouldn't like drop your laptop five feet or throw your tablet across the the wall or you know across the room into a wall you got to treat your body like it's your first it really is your first tool you got to treat agree. that correctly um and that sort of and that sort of goes against sort of the counterculture subversiveness it's always it's what's a wonder that's that I love and, and is part of right should be ingrained as part of the DNA of comics but, yeah it's uh, not very punk rock to stay in shape yeah <laughs> but if you want to rock if yeah, you want to punk rock to, you yeah. got to be in shape yeah <laughs> you got to get up there you know it's not an, it's not enough like when you're 20 you can eat anything and then you hit 26 27 and oh yeah. I can't I, I even worry that even with like hitting the gym, it's still an incredibly sedentary lifestyle. It is. Like there's not a lot of movement, and I sit all day, and then I go work out. At you night. wonder if working out can counteract? Yeah, I just, just I feel out. like I need more. Like I need to move around more just yeah. in the daytime because you really do just sit there for hours. Yeah, I found breaking up the workout into two parts during the day. I th I think I've read it makes a difference to, for some people, like doing cardio in yeah. the morning and doing weights at night or something or something along the lines or more cardio right. at night. I have a treadmill at home. Yeah. So sometimes I will do that. I will run in the morning and then run another mile in the afternoon and just to keep it, the blood going, it's hard. It's yeah. I also, I find it weird that it's, how do I say this? We're missing out on just, active lifestyles like we have to have a machine or mm -hmm. a club membership to be active yeah and yeah. having but children I under that no i i could never <laughs> live in portland but I, I would like to live somewhere where you could get out yeah. of them. i just it's mainly for the children like i just see i mean it's like terrifying to just let them run around the neighborhood which we have started doing but it took a long time to get there do you live in a walking neighborhood where do you live uh in atlanta uh -huh. in a townhome community there's no sidewalks Mm, really? No, no playgrounds. Huh. I mean, the kids run around now, but it just, like, I remember growing up, my entire neighborhood had a... Was your kingdom. Right, right. <laughs> and I had a network of bike paths that could get me anywhere in my neighborhood without having to ride along the road for more than 10 yards. That's great. I didn't have that. I just We just rode in the road and avoided cars and went miles and <laughs> disappeared at, you know, Saturday morning, we disappeared at 10 o'clock in the morning and come back at five right. o'clock and no one knew what we were up to. Right. You know, now we were, were just, our parents just more carefree about letting us, our parents just weren't as that? paranoid. Right. That's what you I'm know, saying. and unfortunately when you live in a nation of 300 million people, 
and probably relative, probably per capita fewer things happened than they did in 1970. Right, that's what I'm but wondering. There's a larger number of stuff, and of course, when it happens, it's all over. It's everywhere. It's all over the news, and 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 the the and you don't when you see that you don't go well. That's one incident of 300 million people that were around, right. working and playing and living today in America, and that's so that's not that much. Um, but you know, like anything else, you know, I, for the biggest one of the biggest struggles for me as a parent is mentally you've got to put you, you can think of all the terrible things that could happen to your sure. children that you have no control over and you just got to put it out of your mind you got to do your best be yeah. responsible yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't just worry keep them and, locked and up. you know think uh, are they going to get leukemia they're going to get hit by a right. bus someone going to snatch them when i when i got my back turned for three three solid seconds in the supermarket yeah. what can you do all of those things could happen they probably sure. won't. Right, right. And you're going to you drive yourself crazy. You can't hermetically seal your children. No. <laughs> um, let me ask you... We can circle to the mental health stuff later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting there. But I, before you ballooned up, yeah. was weight something you had wrestled with before? Or was sort of. New? Sort of. Uh, you know, when I think back on it, it was probably, you know, I wasn't a large kid. I kind of got a little chunkier towards... Being a teenager and then 15 hit and everything just like, shot up and everything just dropped right. and I was skinny and I could talk to girls and it was great. Uh, and then that was, prob- and that was probably that was, that was probably it. But I still never, I wish, my one regret is that at 15 or 16, I didn't really get into something physical. Yeah. Like I'm getting into boxing now and this and that and mm-hmm. get into boxing, get into something. So that by now at 42, I could be really proficient and, and, and right. had that lifetime. Although, it's funny the way people work. I know, I know a lot of guys sort of getting back into the gym now at 40 who were yeah, extraordinary was, athletes in their early 20s. And then they stopped, and, but they kept eating like an athlete. And right. then they yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, out. I'll say I was never an athlete, mm-hmm. but I was always working out. What I mean by that is I was never – a I was never into competitive sports. I didn't enjoy mm. it. But when, at 16, I discovered weightlifting, and, and I enjoyed it. Now, I oh, grew right. up with it. My parents were always in shape and started taking us to the gym at a young age, so I had that model That's in place. That's wonderful. And that really makes a, a difference. Um, so I weight trained, but when I hit a certain age, maybe... Uh, I noticed maybe about 15, 20 years ago that eating like I'd always eaten, I, I was getting thicker, not, mm-hmm. not just, like I was, it was part muscle, but there was like a padding around it mm-hmm. that I hadn't had before. And then I, I started to notice I, I couldn't lift with the intensity that I used to mm-hmm. because it was damaging me. Mm-hmm. So I, wa- I didn't look like I used to, mm-hmm. and I was, I felt like I was damaging myself. Mm-hmm. And it just weightlifting had become like now if I decide to weight train, I'm gonna put on weight, mm-hmm. and it's not just gonna be muscle. It's like it's like I, I'm gonna get thicker around the midsection. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get that padding back, mm-hmm. and also my joints. So I, I'm just bringing up a point to what you were saying. Like you're, you know, as you age, your body changes. So yeah. whatever you were doing then, 
you're probably going to have to find something different mm-hmm. now. Or do it in an alternative way. Right. Like, if right. you had been boxing since you were 16 and got into it competitively, what would your brain be oh, like? Oh, I don't, yeah, I, I, w- I don't mean that get it into it competitively. All oh, the boxing it's just is a, sport But just sort of be some, into something, right, be into right, something. Right. Like, well, I do yoga now. Oh, yeah, I, I can just imagine if I had started yoga at 16, sure. what it would be now. Yeah. Because it, it's it's a practice and it takes a long time yeah. to get places. With but it. we but we do that in in the sense it's interesting because it kind of ties into something we were talking about previously tangentially, which is I, I people don't seem to really want to get into something that is life. Like I I I tell people you know for all the negatives and all the the struggles with this sort of a, of a life in the arts. It's wonderful to be a part of something. You're not just a CPA. You're not just right. sort of an attorney, sort of stacking files and putting, taking them in and throwing them out. You're you are you are engaged in a lifelong endeavor, a practice. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and uh, um, well, culturally, it seems to be people don't want to do that. No, they don't want to put put in like what would ten years be like for doing like that stuff. How that long, what do I have to put me? into this for, to get that? Yeah, um, I got to reach the, all, fin- where's the all finish of your line? life. All yeah. of your life. Yeah. The finish line, when there you're dead. There isn't one. Yeah, when you're there dead, isn't that's one. the deadline. Yeah, yeah. Fall, fall, kill over on your board. But this attitude is, how long will it take me to get to the finish line? Once I get start getting work, I'm done. And it's like, it, how long does it take me to the place where I don't have to work right. anymore? Right. And I'm, I'm of the opinion now that mentally, that's just not how human beings are built. Right. I think once you stop working... You just see the mind start to go yeah. or the physical health start to degenerate. I mean, people I've had conversations with, people are like, well, what are you going to do when you retire? Uh, I'm not going to stop doing this. The only, the only danger with that, of course, is if, if God forbid, something physical should happen to you to right, make it impossible. Right. But barring that, But yeah. I'll find an avenue. I mean, I, I'm fairly optimistic that let's say something happened to my hand. I can still write and think like oh, a storyteller. Oh, no, story yes, teller. of course. So I'll find I'm more outlet. afraid of things like Alzheimer's or something oh, mentally yeah, yeah. happening. Oh, oh, oh my, yeah. But, right. um, yeah, you go deep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's you know. Yeah, I, cut, yeah, I thought of that. I cut your hand cut off. Oh, oh, it'll be terrible. All right. Oh, I learned to you know go with my other right. hand. I actually put the wrong hand. did after yeah. his stroke. Yeah, yeah. That was impressive. Yeah. All right. So let's talk to me about mental health, ego. Well, I just think ego, you know, and everything is related. I think because because ego is the same thing. Because you know the the problem within a sort of an addictive personality with food is that you need to eat food. You can't just like okay, if it, there's there's all different ty- types of terrible addiction problems. But if you're addicted to alcohol, well, you don't actually need that to physically right. live. You can find a way, as much as a, as a struggle as it is, or, or heroin or whatever. You can find you, you theoretically you can find a way. You don't need it. You don't need it to to physically live. Right, right. Food you need to live. Yeah, I've heard this. And this it's it's before. tough. It's tough. And Why, do uh, you have a food addiction? Uh, you, I don't know about an addiction. Speak? It's tough. Food's food's tough for me. I like food. I like to I eat. I do too. It is know. tough. Yeah, I, I mean I, I enjoy it. You know, food's food's good. Yeah. Uh, food is like one of those basic things in life. I mean I, I you know I I I I've been chided for for saying in a group like I'm not I'm not stepping in that Applebee's we're going someplace else because oh I'm that guy too there's only so many meals between now and the grave and I'm not yeah. going to spend it at, a, at an Applebee's or a TGI just, Fridays I just see that as poison like it's easy well, for me to just it's bad categorize yeah. things as poison so then I don't go near it otherwise it's it's amazing how well made healthy food tastes better than yeah. crap 
And I like French fries, but sure, I don't want Applebee sure. French fries with MSG yeah. poured all over them. I can yes. go get some good peanut oil exactly. French fries. So in that in that way, everyone need you need an ego to have a healthy internal life. You have to have self you have to have self regard. Sure. Um, but much much as in the way people will abuse food, sugar, whatever, we I think that we abuse the ego in a in a manner of speaking, by by making it all about self-aggrandizement and not about a healthy ego, which is about being, you know, to some level being humble at times and learning and, and being open to things and not being angry and not, and trying not to, um, to get caught up in the sort of baser levels of life. And I don't mean to see, I don't, I genuinely don't mean to make all of this sound overtly high minded because I think it's something that people need to bring into daily life just to be content and, and be happy. Are you talking about just a healthy confidence? Um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that the, there, there is a struggle where you go, you know, there's this thing, there's the ego, which is different than the id and the super ego and all that other old Freudian stuff. A lot of it, which doesn't really even apply anymore, but sort of in simplistic terms. Um, and you, and then so a, a lot of what you hear is get rid of the ego, get rid of the ego. And I'm like, well, you can't get rid of the ego because it's ingrained and, and well, a lot nature of put it there for a reason that. is a getting lot. rid of, well, I, my perception, and you correct me if I'm wrong. My perception is a lot of yoga and a lot of the, the sort of quasi religious things that are tangential to it are about stepping out of the self right. for a while, which I think is absolutely important meditation, prayer, however right. you do it, to reconnect with the larger the larger uh, sort of universe and, sure. and be a part of it. But you also have to live in your body. And I also think that my observation is many people spend, and this is not, a, obviously, I, I don't know you that way, so I don't, there's not a, a, a personal observation, lest any of your listeners think so. But... Um, you, you 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 do have to spend time in your own skin and sort of how you regard yourself and is important and I, I'm always shocked in how many people issues of like what is what is what is good what is to be good what is, where are those boundaries um, is so much to me so much a part of how we deal with life and our relationships with other people and I and I think in a lot of ways research bears out that our our there is no self-perception without other self-perception is a result of interaction with other people at least right. to a great extent so to not think about these things to not think about what is good what is bad what is proper what is moral what is ethical and to not take those things seriously and not to be a paragon, not to not make mistakes. I'm not saying to be sure. perfect, but to not think about those things well, I think that's is a, a great mistake. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a poison going on right now. I, I, I find myself very aware of, um, I, mean, I call it self-awareness, mm-hmm. and, and just being aware of where you are and what you're doing. And it seems to me so much of the world is just only focused on me, me, me. What can and, I get for the least amount yeah, of effort? Yeah, and even just in terms of driving. Sure, that's like, a great example. It's a great even example. at the at the at the when you're food shopping, you just see it everywhere. Like just people stopping in the middle of the aisle and just looking around. There's as a if narcissism. No one else There's a yeah, narcissism. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you got to wonder if that's, um, you know, I don't I don't think it's any stretch or any new idea to sort of think that this so, the social contract is is being severely tried. 
But I'm heartened because I also hear I also hear a lot of conversation in the ether about that topic that the social contract is we got to do something because right. without that, um, without the social contract, what do, what do we have? You can't police people all the time, and you don't. And no one wants to be. The problem is we 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 focus so much on the figure of the guy or the gal who is the rebel, is the one that just goes out there and he or she is the focus and they're doing what they want and it's their world and we're just living in it. But right. the thing is, we can't all be that person. Right. One person gets to be that person. If, if, if that's the paradigm of a society that you want to be a proponent of, then one person gets to be that and right. everybody else has to be subservient. It's sort of another extension of sort of the princess idea. Right. And um, so you can't have that. You can't have that. You have to have a world where, I mean, I think most people want to have a world where, you know, there isn't one guy yakking it up in a movie theater and the solution isn't that we all just get home theaters. We should be able to go to a communal experience together and not have one person go, I'm going to place my experience right. above that of everyone else. It's just about being considerate and, um, and, and not to toot my own horn, but I, 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 I have that thing where I go... Oh no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that because that's going to make someone else potentially right. feel I have that, that's what, bad. I have that as well, and, and I, I've said it a few times on here. I think w- culturally, one of the real poisons—I keep saying poison—is the is. the death of community, mm-hmm. and I think that might be the most important thing. The the idea of community. I mean, just living in a neighborhood. I just remember growing up. Neighbors just kept an eye on other people's kids. Mm. And now it's, you know, what is that parent doing letting them out? Fuck that. Yeah. I'm going to tune out because that's not my responsibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just helping each other. Yeah. It's just, it's, maybe I'm just older and crankier now, but it's different. No, no. I think, look, I, look, I think when you look back, this is something that people have been discussing, you know, for a long time, since the advent of the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that... Uh, you know, you move out, you move away, you have your own kids, they move out, they move away. And I heard an economist talking um, on NPR, this fascinating idea that I want to, that I want, I want personally want to get more into and, and dig into and figure it out, that for all the genuine issues that have happened in the American economy, the housing in various recessions and depressions here and there, the, the thing that has the biggest impact is that there's no longer... I'm, I'm going to try to make say succinctly what this person said very eloquently, which okay. is basically that my understanding, the way it used to be, and I'm, I'm air quoting, the way that it used to be was you would you would have multiple generations in a house, wealth wealth and business interests would get passed from generation to generation, and right. that was the that was the biggest guarantee of how. Um, it wasn't any one person striking it big. It was a, right. it was a com- familial effort right. over generations. Even a corporation was a community to, to build to build wealth. And we right. and since the advent of the nuclear family, we it, it's it's like it's like every generation starting over from from zero. Yeah, and not going like okay, my parents like my my parents got here uh, from Cuba, uh-huh. and so now they're in their seventies and and what have you, and they own between. Between them and then my grandmother, who passed away a number of years ago, they own two houses and a small property. Uh-huh. And my hope is that my, my my brother and I will be able to sort of get on the same page. Uh, not that we won't, but that my hope is that we will get on the same page, and then use those those properties 
maybe maybe use it as collateral to buy something else and build something else. And slowly over time, um, not that I want my daughter to necessarily get or or his son or his children to get into a the same vocation that we're in necessarily, but just to go, yeah, my family has a little a little bit, and we're going to take that and we're going to be smart and we're going to build on it and then pass it on to the next generation. And this person's point was that that built the country. Right. That literally built the country. Sure. Uh, metaphorically, rather, built the country. Right. Um, but in a very specific and very effective way, and we completely lost that. And everything we're seeing, really in a large in large part, is is as a result of that loss. Um, but again, going back to your idea of, of something communal. Um, ego, though, going back to that for a second, um, I mean, obviously we're artists, so we have to, we, we have to constantly switch between I'm the greatest thing in the world and I can do this to, <laughs> to I gotta, you know, I gotta get, well, that's, but that's the thing. It's, it's, an, it's interpretation. Right. I, I don't think it's healthy to be like, uh, to go to, I'm terrible or I'm the greatest. It's, right. it's, I'm, I'm really good at this and I enjoy doing this and I'm having fun. And then to go, I can, I can not, I'm terrible, but rather I can get better at this. Right. right. I can be better than, right. than what I am. That, and that's, I, and that's fun too. I can bring in other things and, and Right. I better. think that's the place to be where every day is, is a, is a lesson to learn. It's a tough and, place yeah. for people to imagine themselves. Yeah, I found, I mean, I guess having listened to this, you've heard the struggles I've gone through, sure. but I found a very, a place of peace more recently where I just have that attitude. What like, was the, uh, what was the change for you? Um, I think a big part of the change was it, it all stemmed from having two full-time jobs and, and just the stress and the, the no stress, life. the time, the feeling, mainly the feeling that I was not in control of my life. I was doing what I felt I needed to do, what I was supposed to do, but not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, like I, I had gotten, it, it's, it's like if you have a backup plan, guess what you're going to end up doing. Um, I could not agree more. Could not agree more. You got to close that back door and brick it up. Right, and and my my friend Lee Lowridge always said, just jump in a net shell up here. You can stand there at the edge of the cliff and look down and never see that net, because it's not there until you jump. Yeah. And I, I mean, I understand. I I don't regret any of of what I did. It's just this is how things happen. My daughter was born, um, and my wife was waiting tables and couldn't towards the end because she was pregnant. I was bartending. I mean, this is after grad school Mm -hmm. and after I'd already had a job in comics. Mm -hmm. And um, not to go all the way through this again, but generally we came home from the hospital and my restaurant had closed and we had a daughter with two unemployed parents, Mm -hmm. which I think put me in a very scary place. I can't imagine. And my reaction to that was, you know, I, I worked hard to get a job, got a teaching career going and and still worked hard to get the comics career going. When that started going, it was like, this is what I have to do mm-hmm. because that was a scary place. It was scar tissue. Yeah. And it took me a while to be like, have, have trust. Right. Um, I, I left maybe a little bit later than I could have, but not much later. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what was the original question? Well, no, I, I like point? this thread because I had, oh, oh, right, had right. Yeah. I, I was, what was so that experience that... Well, yeah, so I think what happened was Making the decision to leave was empowering again. I felt like, and I'd said it on here many times, uh, it's getting back in the driver's seat of life. Yeah. I was watching life go by, mm-hmm. 
And that was not, and I think I, I, I knew I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. And I was fighting with that because, well, I have to do that because my wife and kids need that. And which by the way is a very laudable thing to do because life isn't also about just what I, you know, what do I want to do? Right. But I also, uh, recently I, I, I heard like Jim Carrey gave some speech at Mm -hmm. a, a college and the lesson was, he was talking about his father who he felt could have been a very successful comedian and what did his, all the right things. Yeah, he, what he did was not pursue that because he had a family and did what he had to do. And at age, Jim Carrey at age 12, his father got fired. Mm-hmm. And they struggled for many years after that to get their feet back on the ground. And the lesson to him was um, you can fail at something you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So you should go for what you want to do. Yeah. Now, teaching was something I did want to do. Sure. But I, I just reached that point where... I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Was it about te- was it about that you didn't want to teach anymore, or that you just wanted to give yourself over to this other thing? I wanted, more fully? yeah, no, I'll go back to teaching. I do yeah. love teaching. I, I was really tired of the, the the bureaucratic nature, and I'm really, really turned off to the idea of art school right now because of what mm-hmm. I, it's it's business now. Sure, and it, it's pretty gross. Just. You're going to spend at my school $150,000 mm-hmm. to learn how to do comic books. You're never going to... Uh, I mean, I'm paying loans for the rest of my life. Mm. So, you know, maybe maybe you'll hit it. You'll strike gold and catch lightning in a bottle. But the average amount of money you're going to make in this business mm-hmm. doesn't warrant a $150,000 education. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, it should, though. Yeah, yeah, and and it's heading more and more in that direction. Mm-hmm. But what I was what I where I was going was um, it wasn't that I didn't want to teach anymore. It's that I just wanted to do this, yeah. and I didn't want to have two things on my plate, which was really becoming extremely overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So the the empowerment and it, it really took my wife to kind of because I felt like I had to have this job for them, and I it was like the first day of last school year. Mm-hmm. I just came home and she just saw it all on me and yeah. she just said it's time. Yeah. It's it's uh I think that my experiences are very similar. Uh it, it was for me it was two things. Uh, for me one thing was I was about I never talked about this publicly, but when when I was 20 around 28 and things were just not clicking. I was doing okay. I was making a living. I had a house. I was t- I was the only 28-year-old that I knew who had a house yes, and had yeah. money in the bank and uh, had a beautiful wife, and, and, and life should have been good, but I was struggling with this thing, comics and illustration and mm-hmm. writing, and not it's just it wasn't clicking. It wasn't catching. Yeah, that's where I was, too. And it got to a really, really, really dark place, and, uh, and I was depressed for a while. And uh, and it wasn't in retrospect. It wasn't chemical. It was it was situational. Right. Exactly. Oh, God. we got to talk, talk about that. We got to talk about that. Because so much of that, <laughs> just in, in short, in short, I you know people, are, oh, I'm I'm depressed, and I hear the circumstances. I'm like, you should be depressed. Yeah. You are in terrible circumstances, yeah. and instead of taking medication, you should be doing something. Right. And making a practical plan to get out uh, of this we, situation. We got to talk but about we'll that. But, go- but okay. So, <laughs> um, I was 28, and I remember this very clearly and distinctly. I was 28. And I thought to myself, do I, if, if things don't cut for me the way that I always imagined they would, do I want to still be in this world? And I was thinking this. And I thought to myself, well, okay, 
if this is what you're thinking about, let's say it out loud. If things, if someone came and said, no matter what you do, this struggle is not going to amount to the things that you want, right. the things that you dream about. Do you want to do, should you just be alive? Should you kill yourself? I said it. Do you commit suicide? Do you want to be alive? And the, immediately the answer, the rush from the back, like the bottom of my feet up to the, no, I want to be alive. I want to, I want to right. live. And this is a problem. This is a problem that, that there's a wonderful movie called, um, called, that, uh, called, uh, oh, oh, yeah, you're going to have to help me. Albert Brooks, Heather Hunter, uh, their, their newscast, broadcast news. Yeah, yeah, broadcast okay, okay, and there's a wonderful moment. Yeah, yeah. It's a wonderful moment with uh, Albert Brooks. Everyone's being, everyone's being fired. <clears throat> They're letting people go. And Heather Hunter's like, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, they, they kept me on. Oh, so what are you going to do? Well, I quit. And she's like, why? Do you remember this part? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, he goes, I love because Albert I realized Brooks. that all I ever wanted to be was a news anchor, that I think it would be, be better looking and more successful with women and more money and make all my dreams come true. And that that was completely up to someone else. And that's no right, good. Right. Said, that's no good. Right. So I realized that I had all of these things wrapped up, which in a large part, especially when you begin to do a little bit of stuff on the other side of it, sort of in the art director side and different things, you realize it's so capricious mm -hmm. and so not up to you. And so having to do with things that have nothing to do with your talent or your work that I, ca I can't tie up my happiness with that stuff. Right. So I have to get back. I had a, the Jerry Maguire moment. So I have to get back to finding a, oh, finding a way to love what I'm doing or I need to That's stop. That's exactly what I, yeah. And it's very similar. To what I was and then shortly about. afterwards, I got X, you know, shortly after, actually I must've been older because shortly afterwards I got X factor. So this was later. Shortly, mm -hmm. after, shortly afterwards, something happened and things started to click. And, I, and part of that, I think, was just timing. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, I was at the point where I was like, I was like, is this ever going to happen? Beating my head right. against the wall. And then the crack comes through the wall and the light and you realize. That's exactly what happened. How it is. And the second thing was sort of the other refocus was the birth of my daughter, which just made me realize. Um, and I always describe it to people that like I had all of this stuff in front of me that was so important. And then my daughter was born. And then all that, this stuff didn't disappear. It just kind of move to the side, yeah, absolutely. you know, and, um, and I had therapy and all that other stuff. And, ther and the ther therapist was like, you know, he's like, I work with a lot of creative people and I just, I don't buy, I don't buy, he's like, I'm not creative myself, but I don't buy the story that you have to have this thing eating it inside you to generate this power right. for yourself. You I know? agree. I, I, it really, it's really hard for me to see a creator who romanticizes the idea that they have to be miserable to be good. They have to be unhappy. It just isn't true. It just they, isn't true. I, I mean, I, I remember um, this was this was really, uh, I really got angry at this. There, we at, at my school, we had some guests in, and James Jean was there. Mm. And uh, everyone was talking, and James Jean spoke up. He's like, Kent Williams had told me... Um, don't have a family that's that kills the artist and and i think that is so, such so a misguided out. it's so misguided it's, it's so it's a cop out for bad behavior right right it's exactly i'm not going to comment on anything but right. it's a cop out and, for, and a, I'm not, i don't mean necessarily kent specifically but right it's but a cop i mean out. i i know his his story and mm -hmm. what happened with him and his wife and it's you fucked up it's just really what it boils down to mm -hmm. don't put it on i'm the artist and the family and that didn't work i i cite many examples of of when f 
fam- family made me a better artist. Having mm-hmm. kids made me better at what I do, think differently. Mm-hmm. The stories I, I I will tell are much better now because of it. And there's plenty of artists in all mediums where having children and stuff made them mm-hmm. who they were. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't have Louie without children. Yeah. If you see his act before children, it's it's very detached and hard to to get involved with. He didn't have a life. Right. He didn't have a life. Right. I mean, that's one interpretation of that. I find that people that don't have children often have a very deep fear. Even people who are having children, they have a very deep fear because we we've, we've been ingrained with this idea that, you know, again, me, me, me. There's a wonderful line in The Simpsons where Mr. Burns starts out a speech. He's like, you know, a family, community, religion. All of these things are your enemy. All these things, <laughs> right. all these things. And to some extent, to some extent, there does need to be a period of time. There does need to be a period of time when you are very young, where you go, especially as an artist, I think, where you go, I need to, I need to get away from the paradigm that my family represents, and I need to experiment and figure figure this out for myself. Right? I think sure. every adolescent has to do that. But there sure. comes a point um, because connection. I mean, look, to me, one of the, if not the greatest artist who had the best life that ever lived was John John Singer Sargent, who was uh-huh. absolutely rapturously, unstoppably talented man and had a wonderful life, was, prob- was probably gay at a time when it was difficult. Um, but people loved him, by all accounts, had a wonderful community of, of, of extended family of friends and people who loved him in a family and, uh, and had a wonderful life and made a lot of money and did a lot of beautiful work and, and never... And, and lived a long and happy and fruitful life. And that's what we should all be aiming for. We don't need anger and resentment right. no, to, to fuel. Art can come from a happy place. Yeah, it can. It can come from a content place. Yeah. And, I, or, and, you, and you can also ex- you can explore, because I think art is supposed to, you can also explore negative things without completely becoming subsumed in, sure. in it. Well, I think to... to Make it about just one emotion is ridiculous. Every day you wake up, you have a, you're a human being. You're in a different mood, and you, yeah. you just you need to produce, no matter what. And the mood shouldn't dictate, yeah, how you produce or or if you produce. My therapist, and I've done a lot of reading about a, a lot of these different topics, but he one thing that I will always sort of specifically remember is that he. Uh, well, two quick things. One is that he getting back to the thing we talked about earlier. He pointed out that he thinks that like he's like what if what if instead of sort of thinking that this is all about sort of getting anger or depression or this or that exploring those things what if it's about you know look you've been you've been blessed with some these talents and you're gonna see how far they take you just see you know and if you're making a living in the, in the meantime great and if you're not if you're not wanting for the, ba- the the things in life that you need shelter and clothing and family whatever. Then it becomes about like, let's just see what I can what I can do and what I can't do and have fun with it. And the other thing was um, uh, was uh, he just pointed out to me. He's like, have you ever have you ever had basically like nothing's wrong, everything's kind of okay, but you're just sad. Yeah. And of yeah. course, everyone has Melees. felt that way, yeah. right? And has have you ever been like completely fucked, and yet you like things are really bad right now. You're in a bad place, but you wake up happy. Yeah, and I'm like, obviously that's happened too, and, and you realize, well, emo- emotions are certainly related to reality, but it's not a one to one ratio. Right, 
Right. So you need to you need to realize that your emotions are not necessarily who, they're not who you are. You can feel things and be sort of separate and observe and go, oh, right. I'm kind of sad today. I wonder why that is. Or I'm biting and my nails and I'm tense. Why? To not be angry. Like you can. And you can choose to choose, or you can choose, I think more, more, if I may, I think more productively, you can choose to recognize, okay, stupid example, I've been trying to not bite my nails, I did it all my life. And what I realized was I can, I can struggle and say, don't bite your nails, don't bite your nails. Or I can go, I'm biting my nails, I'm tense about something, what's going on? Right. What's happening here? What do I have to address? Right. Because if you don't address it, it's, if you don't address why, so not just, I'm going to feel angry. Feel angry, recognize it, and then go, that's interesting, I'm angry. Why Why am I angry? What's happening? What's right. making me feel afraid? Not letting the emotion drive it, but... but yeah, putting, like, not letting the emotion be in charge. Right, put the emotion, right. but that, not ignoring it. No, don't put it in the back of the bus. Have no, it go, right. What, right. Yeah, don't shove it down and hide right. it. Right. What's Just, going on? Like, what's happening? Yeah. You know? For uh, for me, uh, yoga is very much about that. Sure. It's, it's Becoming about... Becoming centered and... Just putting yourself in a extremely physically and emotionally stressful position mm-hmm. to the point where you are in your head cursing everything and like I for me I just notice my jaw gets clenched mm-hmm. and I'm like when is this going to end when is this going to end when is this going to end this is awful this is awful mm-hmm. this is awful and then the practice is change that thought pattern use breathing to do so yeah. and find yeah. some peace in this situation and you'll be able to deal with it longer and better right. and come out of it relaxed. Yeah. Nothing is uh um nothing is good or bad but that we think it so. But uh I I uh, when I was younger I saw John Stewart speaking at uh, a Barnes and Nobles the one off of, of 14 I don't know if you know New York at all. 14th yeah, Street. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, My family's Street. from New York. Okay. Off 14th Street off Union Square and I I I asked him in a Q&A part I asked him like what uh you know you 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 go, and I was sort of in this in this moment. Do we have any technical problems? No, 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 oh, okay. no, no, no. I just check. Like I, I get the, oh, no, no, no. the anxiety. Are we recording? <laughs> sure. uh, so I asked him. I go, you know, and obviously this was this was re- in retrospect. Obviously this is reflective of what I was going through. But I was like, how do you deal with the crushing? You know, you have these high highs, but you also have these disappointments, things that you want. And he said, and I never, God, I never forgot this. He goes. Uh, you know, I've had, he's like, I've had the, he's like, I know exactly what you mean. He's like, I, I think everyone goes through it that does what I do. And he goes, look, at the end of the day, I realized that I've had, I've had the best things that I could have ever imagined happening to me, happen to me. And I've also had the worst things that I could ever imagine happening, happen. And I'm still, you know, five, nine. Yeah. yeah it yeah. doesn't really fundamentally change. Right. You know, and, and I think that's also part of it too. Recognize the things that are, what is, what is really a disaster? Because look, we are, we are creatures that are fated to die it's going to happen, um, and so what? What? What's happening, and what's important? Like, what's really going to? Is this really going to affect right. my life in a fundamental way? Right. Is it going to affect the health of my children? Is it going to uh, uh, affect my the way I feel physically day day to day? Because if it's not, then you got to put it in your in its perspective. You got to put it in perspective, right? Because otherwise, you just it's up to you how you want to live your life. I mean, yeah, the, at the yeah. end of the day, do you want to do you want to be happy? And that, that and that's ultimately what what happened. I realized at some point, gra- you know, I think of it in terms of epiphanies, but it probably was a gradual. Yeah, yeah, that, re- yeah. That's awakening. you had asked me about the moment, and I think yeah, I that remember was the moments. start of it. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, it's the same thing. It's the gradually realizing I'm in control. 
And I can uh, choose. I want to be I can, happy. Right. I can choose Because Tom that. Cruise is somewhere going. Tom Cruise is somewhere going. If I, if I had only gotten that project off the ground, I'd be happy right now. Right. And that's the illusion that everyone, yeah, that everyone has. Yeah, it's chasing something that you'll never reach. Yeah. Because that's what we're built to do. Right. That's what we're built to do. We're, 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 we are, for whatever reason, we are, we are built as human beings to become stronger in the midst of adversity. Um, and we are built to continue to build. So it's not, there's no end game. It's not about, well, then, then I'm done and then I go and die. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a great amount of evidence that shows that when you stop struggling mentally, these things like Alzheimer's and sort of dementia right. become much more prevalent. There's also a lot of physical evidence that if you stop having sex regularly, all these things, your body sort of, your body, in a way, your body, your mind will go, oh, I see that you are no longer sort of actively involved in the cycle of life. Time to, time to hit the bricks, time to right. get out of the way. So if you want to stick around, you got to sort of be involved in the midst of life, but balance it out by not thinking that every moment is life and death because it really isn't. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's, uh, Wow, deep stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, let's. We we got very passionate when we mentioned the idea of um, clinical depression and situational yeah. depression. Yes. Because when I when I was at the not the height of my anxiety, but when I just after the the someone telling me they thought I had a brain tumor, oh my goodness, and getting to. The, I've talked about that on here. Yeah. I'm happy to tell you about it after this, but to record it again would be redundant. No, no, no. Um, it was just anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, they don't, no one would ever sit down and tell me that. Mm. And uh, it, I figured it out and ran away from medicine because it had made everything worse. Mm. And then just getting sick of it and was like, I'm going to go talk to someone. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, curious. No one, and I, I haven't heard all of this experience on, on on the podcast yet. And I'll go. I'll go back and listen to it. Or we, or we could, or we could just talk. But uh, yeah, th- there was there was no one that said go talk to someone first before we engage in, in sort of the. It's I, I so think, interesting. I think so uh, weird. our our whole how we deal with health is fucked. It's the first thing is let's weigh out the 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 extreme. Like, I, I basically had. A headache for two months mm. that I just, it, you know, I'd wake up. The minute I woke up, it'd come right on. And it was oh. just an intense, like an, a nail was being driven through my eye. And that, that was just every day for two months. And then that turned, that was when I was teaching over summer quarter. Summer quarter ended, headache goes away. Fall quarter starts up. <laughs> I wake up dizzy and I'm dizzy for a month every day. My God, oh, and geez. so I'm. I go to the doctor, then they're like, "Go to the ENT." Um, the ENT's first reaction is, "Well, I want to see. I want a, a brain scan because this sounds like a tumor." And well, I, I get, I get going. This sounds extreme. Let's do a couple of quick things and rule out the most extreme, dangerous. Pos- no, no, that, no, that no I, get. I get that, but I also think if someone would have stopped to ask what what's going on in life. I have two, sure. two full-time jobs. I'm struggling to get my dream career off the ground. I have two children. We're barely getting by. Mm-hmm. I think like, okay, th- th- this could very well be a stress situation. Did your, did your dizziness start when the semester started? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think exactly. I, I, I was very fortunate. I, I went to a, a, a GP for a checkup and talked about a lot of these issues. And, and, and he spoke right up and said, you need to go talk to somebody. 
need to yeah, go. Need I didn't to go. have that. So on the way to my my MRI, um, the doctor who was really had a great bedside manner. Like I'm really freaked out about anything entering my veins. Mm-hmm. I just had my first blood test at 40. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Like really phobic. <laughs> and so as she's telling me that she wants to have an MRI, that didn't bother me other than the fact like, oh shit, am I going to die? Mm. Am I going to see my kids grow up? Like all that stuff oh, running through Jesus my head. Christ. Then I'm like, wait a minute, they're going to put radioactive shit in my veins. So I was like, wait, so do you need to put stuff in me? Uh-huh. She's like, yeah, we have to put a contrast in. And that's all I care. I didn't even care about the brain tumor at that point because how am I going to deal with that? <laughs> and, and she could see I was really freaked out. And she yeah. had said to me, well, you don't have to do this. I just recommend it. And I was like, of course well, I'm going to do like it. Was she being dismissive and yeah. kind of angry? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she, I was like, of course I'm going to do it. But I'm really scared about shit going in my veins. Yeah. Can you take a minute and... Well, and Look she says, as, she's like, well, if you have to, I can get, get you a Valium for the MRI. I was like, well, that's a fucking start. Like, why <laughs> isn't that the first thing you do? Like, look, this is stressful. Here's a Valium. Like, and I took the Valium. All my symptoms went away. Hmm. And so after the MRI, I was like, I felt really great this morning. And, and I was like, and the MRI came back clean. And you recognize that your physical symptoms had gone away. All gone away while huh. I was on the Valium. Yeah. And the MRI came back clean. And then they wanted to do a bunch of allergy tests on me. It was like, series of 19 needles a few times i was like i just i was like i'm done i'm done i walk i was like i don't have a brain tumor i don't care i'm leaving Mm -hmm. and taking that control and then putting two and two together i was like oh this is what anxiety is Uh, if you've already talked about this we can we can skip this part or or tell a very abbreviated version but what so when you made that realization what was the next like what was the first next step was it getting a therapist the next step was getting away from every doctor i could because they had made it but after you, after you did that well and after you realized once i felt like recognizing it was anxiety yeah meant that when the dizziness came on i could be like oh that's anxiety that's see that's that's and the key that helped but it didn't go away it, no of course. it wasn't like a constant like it was before dizziness or headaches it would just it would come in waves now mm-hmm. and i think i just got to a point where i was like i'm really tired of this um but how wonderful how wonderful that you didn't how it's great that you didn't jump to self-medication because it would have been very easy for some people to go, oh, the Valium, I was able to take it and then relax and then function because that's really well, what it's what, about. What drove me to the therapist was um, maybe about a year later or maybe, maybe it was just a – yeah, it was probably about a year later. Um, we became friendly with some neighbors across the street who were our age – and had a newborn, and we had one newborn, and my daughter was a little older. And we just connected. They were very like-minded mm-hmm. with us. And one night, they were having a dinner party, and we just had a... It was right across the street. We had a babysitter at our house. They put their daughter to bed, and it was just a few couples. Lots of wine and good food, um, weed. And then their friend had a bunch of Xanax. Mm-hmm. And I don't like pills. Mm-hmm. And I, and so they were like, you want one? I was like, no, no, I'm not into pills. Everything else is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, well, well, what does it do? Because mm-hmm. what, what I'm really avoiding is 
I don't like a stimulant. I don't like an amphetamine. Mm-hmm. Even coffee, which I, I do need in the morning, it's a, it's like a half a cup to three-fourths of a cup. That's all I drink throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I don't have any more caffeine in that because that wires me up. Yeah. So my, my friend was like, it just chills you out. And I was like, I had had enough wine. I was like, I'll have a little bit. Yeah. And my wife had a little bit. And I was like, I just remember like, this is fucking awesome, <laughs> like socially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the next day, I was like, that really kind of, I can see how that why people like I looked it up what's it for and yeah. it's like oh that makes sense so I was like I wonder if I got a prescription for this just as needed knowing this is a highly addictive drug I mm-hmm. went to my GP mm-hmm. and I was like look I've been wrestling with you remember the scare and mm-hmm. I've been wrestling with anxiety and and I recreationally took a friend's Xanax which really helped mm-hmm. um that night. And what was his reaction or her reaction? Uh, well, I even said, I was like, look, I know this to be a highly addictive drug. You see how, you see, do you see, first of all, let me, can I point out how sensitive I am to issues of gender? Everything is, oh, everything him, is, him. I find myself, I'm like, why am I doing that? No, it, see, was, it was, it was, she's a, she okay. was a woman doctor um, <laughs> who was my favorite doctor. Uh-huh. Uh, she, I said, this is a highly addictive thing. I know. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. What do you think? Um, and she had said, Everyone, she was like, everyone has this. Everyone takes this. Mm-hmm. If we do this at a very low dosage mm-hmm. and just give you a little bit and we keep an eye on it, it's fine. She's like, my husband takes it when he flies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that would actually help because I can never sleep when I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, so she gave me a script. And then I also asked my therapist, who I just started seeing, mm-hmm. what he thought. And he was, he was against it. He wasn't a... Um, I always confuse the two. Psychologist prescribes medicine or psychiatrist? Psychiatrist is a, is a medical was doctor. was not a psychiatrist. He was mm-hmm. a psychologist. Yeah. Um, so he, he doesn't... He was like, I don't think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And but, what was his reasoning? Was it was it the self-medication yeah, probably, argument? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm very wary. I don't even do weed. I'm I'm very... I'll, I'll drink wine and, and, I'll, and I'll cut loose every once in a while. But um, I'm, I am very, 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 very wary of... Self medication, um, I think. I think that it's obviously medication is a good a good thing for people who are struggling with a particular moment, right? Uh, a a well, period, and you, you need to get to a certain place while you put in the substance. To answer your question about self medication, I was smoking weed daily for since the time I was sixteen until mm-hmm. maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like once a week, right? Um, so maybe I was self medicating. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. Well, that's that's see, that's the the danger. Whatever the the drug of choice, whatever the behavior of choice, even whatever it is, it's it's a way to it's a way to put off the the thing that's the problem. Right, you have to deal with it. Let me let me put it off. And the most the most extreme example of this kind of thing I ever saw was I was working with someone whose whose wife had passed away very young, uh, I think uh, in her early forties or late thirties, and. It was a very California thing, so to speak. It was it was everything. It was like going to see, uh, you know, a rabbi and, and a psychiatrist and this and that and everything just to sort of keep even keel, so he could keep going. Right. So everything was so, so I can keep going. And I, after I got to know this person a little bit, I was like, man, fuck that. We need to fucking. You need to go out. We need to get drunk. We need to cry. And I'm like, we yeah. got into it one night. And I'm like, have you? screamed have you raged have you cried have you no i haven't really i'm like we need to go out we need to get ripped we need to rip shit up we need to scream at god and ask him what the fuck is going on and they had that moment because you're just staving off 
right. the inevitable. You're, you're and pushing I'm not, it down. And I'm not like, you're going to get yourself, you're going to give yourself cancer. I'm not, you know, I know that there is, there is evidence of a mind, the sort of mind body link, whatever, but it's, it's not as sort of cliche and direct as that. But I was like, you're, you, you need to expiate this stuff. You sure. need to look, you know, in a spiritual way, you need to look God in the eye and ask him what the fuck is going on. Sure. Stop avoiding the question. Right, right. right. Um, well, so just quickly to wrap up please. where I was going. So I did get the Xanax, and and I I I take it so sparingly, just when things are. It just helps when things get out out of control. Sure. Now, since I left school, I really don't use it much at all. I, I use a little bit at night because I I I can't sleep well when I'm not at home. Oh yes. I, it, but if my family's with me, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. It's, I get it's that. the being away. I just yeah. I get a yucky feeling in my, every night at a convention before I go to bed. Usually, I like to have a roommate at a con, mm-hmm. like a good friend, because it's just better. But like, like here, I'm just alone, and I just get a yucky feeling. I don't want to be here. What am I doing? Like mm. so, and then I can't sleep. So this I'm is usually just, I get that. I'm usually okay for a couple of days. Yeah, I think the, the first the shakes, day I'm okay. The shakes get get in. And I yeah, yeah. So uh, so yeah, I use it very sparingly, but. Through all this, um, the you know the therapy would help, but I was still doing the two jobs, so I really wasn't getting where I wanted to be. You weren't so, addressing the the source of the problem, I, I, right? And yeah. and I decided to go see a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to get someone who specialized in in how the creative mind works. Interesting. And, and Did you find someone? I found someone who would be perfect. My insurance didn't cover him, and he was like, "It'll be fourteen hundred dollars." And I was like, "You're what I need." And and again, I was really annoyed at our healthcare system. Like, yeah. this is such crap. This guy was like on the phone. He was like, the "Boom, boom, boom!" And I was like, "Yes, yes, you're the." T- I need an aggressive therapist who's who's not gonna, who will tell me shit. And like, I I'm introspective, so let's let's do this. Let's go in there, swords in hand, and slay that dragon. Um, and that's not the therapist I had had. So I went in. The first thing they do is they sit me down in the psychiatrist assistant, and she just rattles through a bunch of questions. And at the end, she's like, okay, I'd like to put you on Prozac. Yes. And I was like, wait, I'm not depressed. She's like, well, we found that it helps with anxiety, and I'd like to put you on Klonopin. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, so does alcohol helps with anxiety? Right. So Cocaine I, helps with anxiety. I said no. Yeah. I said no. I'd, I'd like to, you know, I'd like talk therapy. I have it an anti-anxiety for the times when I need it. Yeah. Um, but I, I was like, I don't understand why... You, why you and it gets back to that situational. It was a situational anxiety. It's not a disorder. I, I never yeah. had it before, and I had it. There's now. nothing chemically wrong with your brain. You're right. in a bad situation that's making you unhappy. Yeah. So that was that's where I was going. Yeah, yeah. With that. So did we, did you ever were you able to go with the psychiatrist or that that wasn't that was um, go? I met with him a few times. Okay. Was uh, it helpful? I, you know what? It was, it, it was helpful in that it was. It, it, it all kind of led to what me at home talking to my wife, talking to them, to me. Like, I, I would always say, I know what the problem is. I, I can't handle working seven days a week with responsibilities torn between two jobs, one of which is teaching and running a whole department. Yeah. It was just too much. My not, system was like, yeah. My system was like, and that that's something I needed to come to terms with. I wasn't a machine because I was always like, I'll tough through anything. I'll make it fucking work. I yeah. I had the same thing where I you know you, you sort of see yourself as as uh, and I and I I, I realize I can go through periods of that where I'm just like I'm just gonna work you know twelve thirteen hours a day until this thing is right, resolved right, right. and done and done well 
And then you got to give yourself a break because again, yeah. you're, you're not a machine. You're just right. a, you're you're a human being, and you've got to um, let yourself be fallible, and that's tough too. And that's 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 also going back to ego. It's also an ego thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. To, you know, to not have your ego wrapped up in that. So to wrap it all around, leaving the school, taking the leap, and then getting offered this. Ink. I mean, I was basically leaving the school to go do a creator-owned comic, mm-hmm. which I was putting together with a friend, and then that friend and I get offered an incredible opportunity mm-hmm. to launch this new Batman book. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that would not have happened if I didn't hadn't left school. Right. So, yeah, I, 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 so that's allowed me to, to answer your question, try to see every day as just a, a journey to, to ride and enjoy and mm-hmm. get in and like the drawing, which all the pressure was putting on the, on the, the act of drawing and producing comics. It was all coming from this, I've got all this responsibility. I can only get into my studio every other day for sports yeah. of time. And there was pressure of the, all, getting all of this going and getting that career going will allow me to get rid of that. And it was like I had to wait till this was huge to oh. get rid of that, which would never happen. Oh my happen. goodness, my goodness! It's, it, it, this is all you know. It's it's all coming back to me. It's all you know. It's about <laughs> it's 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 but it's everyone's experience. You got you got to you realize you can you can let one branch go and launch yeah. yourself into the air, and another branch will be there. That's exactly it, you know? what I'm saying. You got to trust that ability, yeah. your ability, and that opportunity. I mean, there's, there's opportunities are out there. There's if you yeah. want to if you want to make a living, you want to make money. You you can you can do it, and right, you have right. some level of we're blessed. I mean. To be to be fair, we're blessed to be in a country where, you know, in, in a Western world, in a, in a world where that that can ha- that can happen. Right, right, right. Because um, there are plenty there are plenty of places in the world where, right. where you could be like, I'm ready to work my ass off. Tough shit. There's right. nothing to do. Right. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. True. Okay. So. So we solved that problem. Yeah. So that <laughs> that having all that happen gave me control back back in the yeah. driver's seat. Feel great. And it's good. And it's important and good to have goals and expectations. It's just you know you can't. They can't blind you to everything else that's going on. And again, right. accepting your own limitations and going well. absolutely and and not over planning. Like people are like, you know, we. I was always trying to get to a place where we had stable income and this and that before we had a child. And then we were thirty. And we were like, well, we gotta have a. Ch- we're what are we thirty. Waiting for? What are yeah. We waiting for? So then we did, and it wasn't horrible. Yeah. And and I've seen people like, well, we just want to work for, you know, two more years, we'll have this much more in savings and it's like Then I'll be happy. Yeah. If there's that much more than that. And I'll then be happy. we'll be ready. And it's like, well, you're really not gonna be ready. It's <laughs> not you really have no idea what's coming. Yeah. You have no idea what this is gonna be like. Yeah. So yeah. So over planning and, and that was, you know, I was like, Well my comics career is huge, I can leave the school, but my comics career could never get huge because of the school. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Uh, I was just rounding it back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we went kind of. It was good. Anything? We, we haven't talked about. On? We haven't actually talked about comics at all. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to? Uh, I, I mean, a lot of these we have. I think you you have such a great mind. I'm 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 I'm, I'm you know, and you th- and you think about these things, and I think about these things, and I think I look at the industry, quote unquote, and I and, and how people. And shows and shows are changing. Like no one's making money at these shows anymore, unless you, unless it becomes, 
there's, there's, I don't think there's any such thing anymore as like just coming as an artist and bringing some of your stuff and interacting with fans and, yeah. and making money and doing some sketches. It's like you, if you want to make money at shows, real money, you've got to come with like the giant stand with a million different posters because no one cares who the individual artist is. They just right. want a poster. All right, let me ask you this. We're at an hour Holly 20. Yeah. We can do a part two and have that discussion. Okay. Um, but however you want to do it. I'm ready to keep going. What what is your what does your brain tell you about how shitty you are? Uh, maybe that's something I should ask more people. That that inner voice, that that self doubt that speaks up. The the that one that I'm I'm always having to wrestle with. Uh, I think I cut cut it short earlier. I think there could have been some funny coming. I think it got too real. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Hey, hey, asshole! I always, always got to start with the asshole. That seems like a good entry point. Hey, hey, asshole! You're terrible as a father. You're never home. You're always working. You're a shitty husband. You, you're drawing the fucking mess. I thought your storytelling's not bad. I, I gotta compliment myself. There's there's some good in here. There's some good in here. You look like a human fucking gorilla. And now you're getting fat and schlubby because you're working all the time. There's more. There's more, but we'll save it for another time. That's a Nobody wants to hear this shit. Nobody likes this shit. This is fucking horrible. Wah, wah, look at me. I'm complaining into a microphone. Who wants to listen? You just want to be loved, don't you? You just want some attention. Now it's getting real. You lonely, sad piece of shit. All right, people. Uh, <laughs> um... That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed part one with Dennis Calero. We'll get into part two in uh, in two weeks. So uh, please continue to pick up Arkham Manor. If you have not picked it up, please do so. And uh, pass on the word. I think I think it's a good book. And it's, it's really going to heat up as we get into issue three. It just gets really, really wild. So thanks for listening. And... Uh, I'll see you soon. I try and find some love for my pot. That just ain't enough to go around.